I'm Michael McMullen. And I'm John Mark Yates. Welcome to This Week in Church History. Welcome to This Week in Church History. I'm your host, John Mark Yates, with my co-host, Mike McMullen. We're here to talk about events that happened this week in church history. Our focus this week is on uh, Count Zinzendorf, one of the uh, most amazing individuals to think about when we talk about missions or even the growth and expansion of evangelicalism. Zinzendorf was born on May 26, 1700, and so we are going to uh, have a fascinating conversation about his life today. Our guest this week is Dr. Paul Poiker. He, uh, in March 2004, he became the main archivist of the Moravian Church in America, which is located in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, Dr. Poiker is the founding editor of the Journal of Moravian History and has published on multiple topics. He did publish a book recently called A Time of Sifting, Mystical Marriage and the Crisis of Moravian Piety in the 18th Century, published by the Penn State University Press. Welcome, Dr. Poiker. We're so glad that you're here with us. Well, thank you. Well, we're here wanting to talk a little bit about uh, Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf. Uh, talk to us a little bit about why uh, we should know who Zinzendorf is as evangelicals, as Christians, as believers. Well, Zinzendorf was the founder of a, a movement, the Moravian Church, that had quite an impact on um, the evangelical movement later, um, had quite an impact on, on worldwide missions and um, had great influence on movements like the Methodists. Um, Moravians were really at the core of the religious renewal in the 18th century. How unusual was it for uh, somebody of, of Zinzendorf's stature as uh, a noble and, and as wealthy as he was to uh, become so personally involved with um, a, a movement that had been persecuted, that was kind of marginalized, uh, opened his land to them, even uh, moved to live on the same land with them and, and become a bishop. How um, kind of exceptional did that make him? I think that was very exceptional. And his family uh, thought it was very exceptional that he wanted to do these things. Um, Zinzendorf was from a family of, of um, high nobility. Um, his uh, father and uncles uh, and grandfather, they all served in the government of Saxony, had high positions, and this is what the family had in mind for uh, the young Count Zinzendorf. Only uh, Zinzendorf didn't really want that. Mm -hmm. He wanted to um, retire to his lands. And, and form a Christian community on his estate. Um, the family didn't let him. They forced him to take on a position in Dresden at the court of the king of Saxony. Um, he went uh, reluctantly, and um, then as soon as he could give this up, he did, and moved back to his estate, where a small community had formed, um, and uh, that community was then the beginning of the, of the Moravian church. What sparked this in Zinzendorf? Uh, what was his uh, religious awakening uh, type experience that brought him to this point? Zinzendorf was very influenced by the uh, so-called Philadelphian movement. 
um, we would say um, probably ecumenical. Zinzendorf believed that um, uh, that uh, there were different denominations, but they were all imperfect. Mm. And although every denomination claimed to be the tr- true church, um, Philadelphians uh, believed that these denominations um, were imperfect or even corrupt. And uh, so the Roman Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the Reformed, the Lutheran Churches, all those were, they called them sects. And uh, Philadelphians believed that there was something higher, a community of true believers. And that's what he was looking for, a community of true believers who came from different denominations. And he wanted to unite them. And um, he wanted to unite them on his estate in, um, in Bertelsdorf. And um, then uh, another group joined there. And so they were the Moravians, these uh, Protestant refugees from Moravia, mm. which is now part of uh, the Czech Republic. They joined him there on that on the estate, and all of a sudden, this community quickly grew. And uh, within a few years, there were about three hundred people living there. Um, so then they had a Christian community, and then they had to find ways of making that work in uh, early eighteenth-century Germany. <laughs> Anytime you have a large grouping of people, that always gets uh, a little interesting. They they did have uh, a a rule, a kind of a, um, a a system of discipline and structure that they built there. Correct? Yes, they adopted um, uh, so called brotherly agreement in seventeen twenty seven, and that gave their community a a um, constitution as a form of organization. And um, uh, when we read that closely, we see that it was really styled as a Philadelphian community, a community of Christians from different backgrounds uh, who believed that they were the true apostolic congregation. Mm. And of course, that uh, caused a lot of resistance with the established church in the area, the Lutheran church. Um, The government didn't really understand uh, what this was. And... um, um, so they had to try to find ways of make this fit in the religious landscape of um, early modern Germany. Missions um, it is one thing we usually associate with Zinzendorf and, and the Moravians. And uh, I just wondered if you could give us some insight into why uh, that became so important for them um, from that community. From very early on, a um, few years after the founding of Herrenhut, uh, the, the people in Herrenhut began to think about going out as missionaries. Um, on the one hand, that's also related to their Philadelphian ideas. Philadelphians believed that the churches didn't have a good message for the heathen, if you can call mm. them that. Uh, the heathen would not be convinced by uh, representatives of these corrupt uh, denominations who all claim to be the true church, mm-hmm. and in reality they were only fighting with each other. And they said, if the if the true apostolic congregation um, uh, becomes visible, those are the ones who can go out and and proclaim proclaim the gospel. Uh, so Moravians were influenced by that. They believed mm-hmm. that they were ready to to bring the gospel to other parts of the world. And um, as early as 1732, they went to the Caribbean. They went to the island of Saint Thomas. Um, very soon they went to Greenland. Um, they went to um, American Indians in Georgia, mm-hmm. later in Pennsylvania. Um, they went to uh, 
South Africa. They went to um, different parts of the world and um, established uh, missions there. So even as they're doing this, Zinzendorf uh, is active in going himself, correct? That's correct. In 1739, um, seven years after the establishment of the first mission in St. Thomas, Zinzendorf took a ship and traveled to St. Thomas to visit the mission there. And, um, yeah, we all know what's involved with the sea journey (laughs) um, to a tropical island (laughs) in those days. So it was it, it was quite an undertaking. Mm-hmm. So when, and then later he came to, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, but he didn't stop there, right? So he he went on to uh, to even visit the United States. So um, in 1741, he made another transatlantic journey and and came to Pennsylvania, um, stayed in Philadelphia, and founded places like Bethlehem and Nazareth and Moravian churches in in in. Um, many of the towns here in this area. Hmm. So how quickly did people receive his message, uh, given your context within um, the the uh, American Moravian archives there? How quickly did his concepts of community and, um, and, and the, almost those uh, Philadelphian ideals take root in the United States? I think that when fairly quickly, um, Moravians uh, in those years uh, had to turn away people um, because so many people wanted to join them and wanted to live in their communities. So one characteristic of the Moravian um, of, of, of Moravian ideas is to live together in communities. So they built uh, towns that were controlled by the church and life um, evolved around the church. And Bethlehem was uh, such a town where everybody was a member of the church and and every day there were services and all activity was um, uh, had, had, had one purpose and that, that was to serve the church. And, and this was very attractive to many people and uh, many people wanted to join the Moravians um, here in, in, in uh, America, but also in Europe. Um, and in fact, so many people wanted to join that, that people had to be turned away and that there were long procedures of, of um, making sure that the people that they, that were allowed in as members, um, um, had the right, um, uh, qualification. <laughs> That's a different evangelistic strategy. <laughs> it, it definitely is. Yeah. I've always thought it interesting, Dr. Poiker, that, um, Zinzendorf and and the missionaries were active, you know, about 60 years or so before William Carey goes to India. And and yet Carey seems to, uh, you know, receive the credit as the father of modern missions. And yet here you have an incredible earlier missionary enterprise. I, I just wondered if you had any thoughts about, you know, why you think that's happened. Um, yeah, Moravians also uh, follow the example of, of of the Pietists in Halle um, and and Franke as missions in, mm-hmm. in um, uh, India, and and that was also an inspiration for for Zinzendorf. Right. Um, yeah, the, the Moravian movement um, quickly grew in all ca- parts of the world, um, and um, it was not that this was unknown in 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 Britain. Uh, mm-hmm. There were many Moravian churches in Britain, um, 
British Moravians participated in these missions. Um, I think there was an influence, um, and that was that uh, Moravians published these uh, reports of yeah. their missions, mm-hmm. and they influenced other mission societies, and, and Moravians also organized these mission societies, first mm-hmm. for Moravians, and others followed suit and followed their example. Um, so I, I, I do think that there was um, influence mm-hmm. from the Moravians to other, other groups. In, in different in different European countries. Mm-hmm. So when you think of even that type of influence, I, I instantly think of even the personal evangelism type approach that that was really what confronted the Wesleys, both John and Charles, as they're uh, wrestling with their own personal faith and and worthiness. And if we you know use Bevington's quadrilateral definition and and that sense of conversionism. Were Moravians uh, and even Zinzendorf really pressing for individualistic conversions, or were they still more involved in kind of building an ideal community? Um, Moravians were very much interested in individualistic um, conversion, um, and and the whole Moravian approach was about the individual um, pastoral care for each individual. Um, in the communities here, but also in the missions. They did not believe in mass conversions. And they, in fact, became very concerned if all of a sudden too many people were converting to Christianity because they thought maybe it's it's too superficial. Um, and, and they really thought a conversion has to go deep, has mm-hmm. to be a matter of the heart. And uh, they were very reluctant uh, if it came to mass movements. Um that also caused the Moravian Church to to remain small. They never really grew into a large uh, movement, and then were quickly overtaken by others in uh, uh, later in the 18th century mm-hmm. and the 19th century. Towards the end of his life, uh, Zinzendorf pretty much depleted all of his financial resources. Uh, how did that change the way that some of the Moravian movement um, it just? practiced its own communal life and uh, w- without having a, a major donor in that in that respect. Yeah, I think Simpson was very good in in um, making others give their money to projects mm. that he envisioned because he spent his money quite early on on, on founding Herod and never had a whole lot of money. Um, but indeed, at, when he died, the church was left with an enormous debt. Zinzendorf um, one time was almost arrested in London for um, being too much in debt, um, <laughs> and then after his debt, death, uh, the church had to pay off the debt, uh, which of course changes um, a lot of things because people become more conservative, become have to organize um, the church in a different way. Uh, every congregation had to contribute uh, financially to paying off the debt. And uh, Zinzendorf died in 1760. Uh, the debt was paid off in 1801. Mm. So it took them uh, more than 40 years wow. to pay off the debt. Good night. That's crazy. Um, after Zinzendorf does die, I mean, he dies at a relatively young age. Um, what is the, the state of the church, its development from Zinzendorf? And, and, you know, today, what what um, what is the extent of, of the Moravian Church? 
what changed after Zinzendorf's death was that the new leaders um, had to find ways to make this movement um, uh, survive. Uh, the Moravians were, were really quite radical mm-hmm. under Zinzendorf, and so they wanted to get rid of anything that was too radical, mm-hmm. and they became a more um, conventional mainstream Protestant denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, that meant that, that in, in doctrine, they became very close to the Lutheran Church, um, and, and what made, made them different was the way they lived together, the way they organized their worship services, the songs they sang, but um, they, they became very much like the other um, uh, Protestant churches. Mm. Um, they also remained faithful to the idea that every church was, was really um, uh, valuable by itself. So Moravians were not interested in, 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 in converting people from other Protestant churches. And, and um, so that also meant that they were not interested in growth and, mm. and uh, were very fine with, with people staying in their churches. They believed mm-hmm. it's better to, um, to, um, for, for other fl- churches to flourish than uh, for the Moravian church uh, huh. to grow. So one of the questions... So, are, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so what you see in the 19th century is really that that the Moravians concentrate in these, these these communities that they founded in the 18th century, and they have to find new ways of making that work yes. as a church. And um, yeah, in the 19th century, you see how here in America, Moravian Church becomes an American denomination, mm. and and um, with churches in, in in the various cities and towns, and with church life concentrating on a Sunday instead of the living communities where. Mm. Entire life is organized by the church. Hmm. When one of the questions we like to ask uh, our guests when we talk about individuals or movements is a uh, uh, is an interesting question. Um, we it's not necessarily a historically valid question in the sense that as historians we don't like to necessarily play what if games, but at the same time, uh, it's I think helpful for us to think through a person's influence and the scope of. Uh, their life and work. And so if we were to pose to you the question, what if there had been no Zinzendorf? Um, what what would you say to that? If What would we be missing as a church uh, at large, the ecumenical church, the, the evangelical church? What would we be missing if there had been no Zinzendorf? Yeah, without Zinzendorf, there would not have been a Moravian church. There would not have been a renewal of an older um Protestant Church from from um, you know the Bohemian brethren that that then became the Moravian Church. Um, I think all that was was more or less his his doing. Um, what I think we would be missing is is this worldwide um, uh, this idea of worldwide missions mm-hmm. that Moravian yeah. um, propagated in the 18th century. I'm sure others would have done that too. It would just have started a little later. But I think what is different with the Moravian movement is that Moravians, from the beginning, they went out and were not interested in European settlers who lived there mm. overseas. Um, they went to the enslaved people in the Caribbean. They went to the American Indians yes. here. And, and we know in the Caribbean, for example, they did not allow white people to become members of the Moravian church. Mm. And they wanted to keep that strictly for the enslaved population. And wow. they believed that that was a better way of, uh, of, of, um, ministering to, uh, the people there. Um, and I think that that is a special flavor of, of, um, 
uh, church planting that happens overseas. And these are now all churches that are run by by local people. I mean, Moravians have been very early in saying, okay, we don't want to keep sending people from Europe or from North America, um, but um, you know, we these, these churches have to become independent, and we have to train local people. Wow, that's that is an amazing mm. uh, testimony wow. uh, overall. Uh, one of the things that we do at Midwestern is uh, we we have uh, kind of our slogan, our motto is uh, for the church. How should one of our listeners, who's maybe a pastor or a a church leader, understand how Zinzendorf uh, would would serve the local church? What would be his for the church understanding? I think for Zinzendorf, the main thing was uh, community. He said, "I don't I don't found any Christianity without community." And I think that that is a very important um, element of, of, of Moravian uh, faith to be together uh, with other people in, in community. Um, and, and not only in community with, with your own folk, but uh, with, with your ecumenical partners and, and um, the other Christians and, and beyond that with people of faith. Um, Moravians um, find uh, Music and liturgy are uh, very important. And, um, it's the focus of, of the worship experience is not so much the spoken word, not just the sermon, but it's the entire experience of worshiping together and singing and mm. and, and and listening together um, that uh, that um, makes out a Moravian experience. I'm not saying that that you don't find that in other churches, but mm-hmm. I think this is something that that the Moravians have contributed. Uh, uh, within mm. uh, the churches. To be sure, that is something to pursue is that sense of uh, godly community uh, as we join together for the the work of uh, the Lord. Well, Dr. Poiker, thank you so much for joining with us and spending a few minutes talking about uh, Zinzendorf and the Moravian Church. We appreciate your work there. Um, if some of our listeners would like to find out more and maybe even do a little bit more research on their own uh, about the Moravian Church. What would be a resource that you would uh, tell them about? Uh, they can visit our website, um, moraviantchurcharchives.org. Uh, there are all kinds of links there. Um, you can browse our catalogs. Some material has been digitized. Um, and, and there are links to other uh, resources. Um, and uh, yeah, please. Uh, please uh, investigate what we have. We will definitely have to do that. Well, again, thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining with us. As always, uh, you can find uh, some of uh, these works on uh, the Moravians as well as uh, Dr. Quaker's volume. You could find uh, at our incredible Sword and Trial bookstore uh, here on the campus of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City or online were to choose to purchase that. So thank you, Dr. Poiker. Thank you, listeners. And we will see you again next week.